Hey, what up, Long Beach? Happy holiday to you and yours. Hope everybody is happy and healthy. And welcome back to the only podcast letting you know what's going down with the local schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. As always, we are the 562.org. We three kings. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Gardavasio. And I'm newly minted king, Tyler Hendrickson. This is fantastic news. Welcome to our penultimate What Up Long Beach of 2020 and it feels good to say that as we are almost through this uh this really rough and tumble year this episode as all of our episodes brought to you as part of our partnership with the long beach post as we do every week got a time stamp the episode it is 10 32 on a tuesday so don't blame us if something crazy happens at like 11 32 on a tuesday last week it almost did yeah we had a lot of bad news that kept updating while we were recording last week for Long Beach Unified School District, Long Beach State, and LBCC. So, as we said last week, the stories on what's going on with those institutions right now available at the 562.org and Long Beach Post. But I say this week, let's talk some good news, right? And if you're going to go good news in sports, you're probably going to have to go towards the professional ranks. Not a lot of amateur sports going on in California right now. we got to wait for January to see when that's going to come back. But we still get the NFL. We still get the NBA actually coming back tonight, and we still got a lot of Long Beach kids doing it in the show. We got to go down the list, though, because there's so many in the NFL right now who have something to be said about them. Mike, you wrote a great article last week about what Mercedes Lewis is doing, putting himself in the history books once again. Yeah, he now is the all-time city leader for NFL games played. He played his 213th game last week. He's up to 214 now which puts him in the top 200 uh, career list in the history of the NFL of games played, which, you know, a good chunk of those are kickers. He's number six all time for tight ends. And uh, he obviously plays the tight end position in a more physical way than it's kind of been evolving into recently. Um, So unbelievably impressive. He passed Willie McGinnis, who was his childhood, um, you know, hero growing up. He said he always felt like he was the second coming of Willie McGinnis, that's why he played basketball and football at Poly, just like Willie did. And so he said, you know, to pass Willie was not something he ever could have believed was uh, was possible. Um, and the fact that Willie's a linebacker defensive end and Mercedes is a run blocking tight end, I think says a lot, obviously, about the toughness from the people in Long Beach. Um, but uh, really special. It, it's interesting because the NFL is such a big stage, but this NFL community in Long Beach is really (laughs) this tight knit community that's sort of been passing these traditions down generation to generation. Mercedes has been very generous in giving back to the community. And he said he was inspired to do that from Willie McGinnis who came and spoke at his pop Warner banquet when he was like 10 years old, then Willie, you know, Mercedes starts doing his camps. Willie comes out and volunteers at the camps along with the current younger crop of NFL guys in the league. Uh, who also some of them attended Mercedes Lewis's camp when they were kids. So when we asked Willie McGinnis about that uh, this week, we, we caught up with him at a Boys and Girls Club uh, donation event he was doing with the Watson brothers from Polly's basketball team and Jalen Petrie. Uh, he said, yeah, well, when I was a kid, um, I had Mark Carrier coming back. You know, Mark Carrier, who's an NFL Rookie of the Year and a, a major award winner in college at USC, he was like, Mark Carrier came back and worked out at Poly every summer. So he was telling me what it took to be a professional. Um, and, you know, I had them coming and giving back to me. So I always felt like it was important because Willie felt like it was important. Mercedes Lewis felt like it was important because he felt like it was important. You had guys like Jayon Brown and Juju and Jarrell who were at his camp who now have their own camps and are giving back. 
Um, and it's, it's great because we have this long history. And like I said, the NFL seems so big, but it's really like 15 guys <laughs> in our town over a few generations who've just sort of passed this torch to each other. And it's, it's really pretty remarkable. Well, there are a lot of cycles that we see that are not necessarily positive, but it, there are, there can be good cycles generationally of giving back, then they will give back. And then it just consistently helps the community and, and, and shows that there is, there is a way to make it. And there is a way to positively influence people in your community beyond just playing in the NFL. You know, you can just be there in person and it doesn't always take money. Sometimes it's just, you know, dedicating your time um, and being there. Cause it means a lot to the kids to see, Hey, here's, here's someone that's successful that came from where I came from. And it's uh, it's motivating. And, and that's what, what keeps long a community like long beach so consistently successful in the sports scene, I think is because the people that are willing to give their time as coaches and contribute, and then the successful athletes kind of coming back and reinvesting in the next generation. And to stay successful and to stay consistent in professional sports is very difficult. I got to, you know, just think about other guys in football, like the Lorenzo Neal of fullbacks. Mercedes <laughs> Lewis is that to tight ends. He kept that type of position alive for so long when everybody was trying to turn their tight end into something else. And to be able to stay legitimate and have longevity in the league while doing something like something like that in a position like that. I think is also very important. People are going to talk about a lot of other tight ends in the history of the NFL before they mention Lewis's name, but I think it definitely needs to be up there just for the time in which he did what he did because he was going against the grain for sure. Well, and I, I mean, he made that exact point when I was talking to him for the story, Jade, he just said, you know, I was like, well, to do this at, at the tight end position, and he says, shit, you know, the way I play the position, my hand is on the ground. You know, I, mean, it's, mm -hmm. I like, you're not one of the sort of glorified wide receivers where it's like chip a guy out, you know, chip a guy on your way to run a nine route or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd also, the other thing, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, but the other thing I always think about, and I've, I've known Mercedes, you know, since we were ninth graders. So I was very invested. He went to uh, college with my wife as well. So we would see each other when he was at UCLA. Um, I've been very invested in his career because I've known him for so long. And one thing people don't think about is uh, how little of your career you really control when you're a, a pro athlete. You know, I mean, you might think about injuries, but you also don't control where you're drafted. And I would say, if you look at Willie McGinnis and Mercedes Lewis, you're talking about two similar athletes with two similar um, careers in terms of skill and longevity. But one of them was drafted by the New England Patriots at the right time. And one of them was drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> and if you, I mean, that's it. And if you flip that, you know, I mean, there's nothing you can really do about it. Mercedes could have gotten out of Jacksonville earlier, but was trying to do the loyal thing um, and stick with the team that had been good to him. They then ended up cutting him without telling him they were going to do that. Um, and he's been able to have this wonderful kind of second career in Green Bay. Um, but it, it's just, it's an interesting thing. I mean, we're, we'll talk a little bit later about the NBA, but you're Jordan Bell, you get signed by the Warriors. You have an NBA ring. You're Matt Duffy. You get called up, uh, you get signed and called up by the Giants at the right time. If he gets called up by the Giants now, I mean, we might be the only Major League Baseball fans who know that, right? Um, and instead, if you can sort of just get enough luck to cross paths with one of these teams at the right time, um, it can do so many things for your career. Uh, which is something I, I think about that a lot when I think about our guys that, that go up. And let's talk about a guy who almost was on the, the bad end of this. <laughs> I was just going to say, it, that is a great segue into somehow Joel Petonio didn't let that happen to himself. 
by getting yeah. drafted by the <laughs> Cleveland Browns. I mean, you say got drafted by the Cleveland Browns to anybody not the number one pick and a quarterback. You're probably <laughs> really worried about their future and their health and their safety. But Joel Batonio somehow pushed right through. And honestly, I think he's one of the best stories of 2020 because you've got a team that's been struggling for so long. They're now in the hunt for the playoffs. And Joel Batonio, a freaking pro bowler. Maybe the best Wilson Bruin in the NFL of all time, guys? I'm taking the maybe off that officially this year. Uh, this is Joel's third pro, third consecutive Pro Bowl nomination. He becomes the first Cleveland Brown to go to three straight Pro Bowls since 1963. Um, if you want to get a sense of how significant he is to their recent uh, buildup, you know, as part of what is probably the best, uh, at least rushing offensive line in the, in the NFL – but Joel is now the first Wilson Bruin to have three uh, Pro Bowl appearances. He's breaking a deadlock with Norm Stanley, who played in the 1950s. I have a number of running jokes with Joel about Norm Stanley because I always text him when he passes one of Norm's, uh, good old Norm's <laughs> records in the league. But he also this year uh, passed Never Norm Stanley. Yeah, that's right. He also passed uh, Norm Stanley for most NFL games played by a Wilson alum. So Mercedes Lewis got the city record. And Joel Batonio this year now has the longest and the most successful career uh, of any NFL player to come out of Wilson. So very, very impressive for a dude who we loved him in high school. He was a great two-sport athlete, football and basketball, but he went to the University of Nevada. And um, to be quite honest with you, I think there were other athletes at the school at the time and even on the football team that I would have assumed would go on to have a better sports career than he did. You know, I just thought here's a smart guy who's going to use a degree to further his life in a really intelligent way. And instead, you know, like he's the goat at Wilson, as far as I'm concerned. He got great coaching at Nevada. Everybody knows that. And he's obviously got great people to follow like Joe Thomas in Cleveland. So it's, it is, it is the franchise for sure, for sure. But the people make the franchise, right? Don't we always say that with local schools, like the teachers and the administrators, they make the school. So he's also gotten some good people along the way to help him out. Well, and, and he always knows that the guys in front of him and who he has to block, he's not as reliant on it, on someone getting him the football to put up numbers per se. So, and let's, let's keep in mind, I mean, the guy's 29, so he, he's still got time in his career, um, you know, to keep, to keep doing it. He's still in his prime and, and a consistent Pro Bowl guy. So um, can definitely keep adding to that resume. And we're, we're hopeful that, that he'll continue to do that in the seasons ahead and, and maybe get a, a couple playoff runs as well. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd be stoked um, to get that opportunity with Cleveland as they, they sort of build this thing on the shaky foundation. Well, well the sweets I, never, the sweets never sweet without the sour. So they're going to have the sweetest run to the playoffs well, so, if they ever get it. That, so that, but that's what I was going to say. I mean, he went almost 24 months in that franchise without a win. I think it was like 23 and a half months because he was injured um, on one side of that. Oh, and 16 season. So he, li I mean, and guys, you know, professional athletes have a very nice life in many ways, but a lot of these guys are as competitive as the most competitive person you're ever going to meet. You can only imagine you do all that work. You do have surgeries, you have rehabs. And for two years, you don't get one win. <laughs> I mean, it's just like uh, an absolute grind. And sure enough, when I texted with him after the pro bowl stuff came out, he was like, he was really excited about the honor but he was for sure. He's like, we have to get into the playoffs. You know, uh, right. he's like, we just, we cannot be a 10 and six team that doesn't make the playoffs. That's also personal and legacy. Then, you got to think about your own career and the way you lived your career. Like when you look back on it, you can't be like, oh, and then we all, and then we almost made the playoffs that one year. You got to knock that off the box. 
Uh, yeah, right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so he's, I'm, I'm super happy for him on every level and just uh, hoping for continued health and success, obviously with the team, because what, I mean, that's a, that's a proud franchise. I mean, there's a lot of fans in Cleveland and to be a part of turning that team around is something that would, that would really seal a legacy there for a long time. He'd never have to pay for another meal again, guys. You could just and he's free, fully capable of paying for meals as well. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a good spot to be in. Uh, who do we want to talk about next? I feel like we got to hit on Juju, man, because uh, a lot of people have been for the wrong reasons. He's He's been getting a lot of heat after I think there was like a little honeymoon period. Everybody really, really liked what's going on. And then as you see in professional sports, specifically American professional sports, people like to build you up before they tear you down. And the Steelers were undefeated. Everything was great. Juju was catching touchdown passes, dancing after each one. And then a couple losses come and people start looking at the dances a little bit different. I just think uh, if you watch that game on Monday night, who do you want to put the blame on? As to the reason that the Steelers didn't look very good. Juju had a fumble, uh, which is a questionable call to begin with, defined Agreed. football move. But uh, I mean, <laughs> he didn't put himself on the train tracks. <laughs> so, well, uh, I mean, you know, the, not the, to. The problem is to find a scapegoat here, but you know, well, no, I mean, but it's not even a scapegoating when you have a quarterback who's a, you know, has been a pro bowl caliber quarterback or whatever, who to be, you know, from my perspective, even before Juju was there, you know, Ben Roethlisberger has always had the Steelers draft receivers like nobody else. I mean, they're the, they're the best in the league, you know, maybe throw the Seahawks in there as well. They're the best in the league at finding good receivers in the second and third round. And, uh, and Ben has always had guys who were able to kind of rescue him a little bit. Um, but the arms is not there. You know, I mean, you're looking at a game where you haven't scored and you're O of seven on passes more than 10 yards down the field and not like a close O and seven, like half of the incompletion should have been easy interceptions. Um, but you're right. You put yourself out there in a way that's genuine and true to your personality, which for, you know, three years, everyone celebrates with Juju, you know, that <laughs> says, that's great. It's awesome that he's doing this. We'd love to see a guy be himself and have fun in the league this is what we need to bring kids in. And then stuff starts going wrong on the team. Uh, And, you know, and you're listening to these Monday night football announcers try every way to say that Ben Roethlisberger cannot throw a football without actually saying it. Right. Right. (laughs) And instead it's easier to focus on, well, this guy's been doing dances on TikToks, um, And so that's what we're going to, you know, sort of make fun of. And even when he gets blown up directly in his face with a guy lowering the crown of his helmet into his face mask on a defenseless receiver uh, on what Darius Rogers, a USC teammate of Juju's called a hospital ball thrown by Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, that's um, a penalty, you guys. It's a penalty. Bottom line. There's like, you don't even have to be a Steelers fan or you don't have to be anything. You just, if you know the game, you know, that's a flag. I mean, well, usually it's the definition <laughs> of the rule. It's the definition of the rule they put in. And I, I will say they've been calling a lot less of those this year. I don't know why they feel like they're like Americans are focused on their own health and safety. We don't want them to focus on the players. I don't know why, but they, no. have, they genuinely have not been throwing that flag well, nearly as much this year. Remember two years ago, we were saying that they were going to start throwing it more in an effort to stop those type of hits and then kind of rear back on it after a while to let the game adjust to itself. Kind of in the same way that they were calling that five yard contact penalty when they changed the rules for defensive backs. You don't see that as much anymore. That, that first year we saw it all the time. They were just trying to send that message, but yeah, it, it would be nice if they continued to protect the professional athletes who make them their money. Well, maybe they figure if the guy's hitting with, 
the crown of his helmet, then he's facing the grass. So the respiratory droplets would be going down, which is actually safer to limit the spread of COVID. So maybe that's what they're thinking, that if you lead with the crown of your helmet, then you're breathing into the ground rather than at your opponent. It's a true catch. So really they're looking out for him. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) (laughs) But I will want to say this, and I'm just, I mean, we're, we're, we're always up front. Like, I don't cover the Steelers. I'm not going to pretend to be an objective, non-biased observer here. Like I've known Juju since he was 14 years old or something. I love the kid. I love his family. I was very happy to get to write a story about his, his foundation paying off $25,000 in, uh, in layaway items for Compton families uh, the week before this game. Um, and so I, you know, to me, he's a human being. He's not a, um, and he's a human being that I care about and whose family I'm connected to. So I don't think of him as being like, a faceless NFL guy, the way that most people sort of do. And, um, and I have to say, I just think it sucks. I really genuinely think it sucks that the same people who celebrate, Oh, it's great that he's having fun. All of a sudden it's like, Oh, he's dancing before the game. Uh, I hope somebody takes his head off. I mean, I just really, I, I don't understand that. And we cover football. We cover kids playing football. So I don't think any of the three of us have ever really got that like warrior feeling that like gladiator feeling about football, that it should have these kind of stakes on it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's fun to cover a high school game where the guys have been talking crap to each other and they're a little more physical, but I never, I don't ever want to see anyone catch a dirty hit over it, you know, or, or get laid out or whatever. So I just, I don't like that. And I I didn't bother to talk about it on social media last night because I know what everyone's going to say in response to that. But I just wanted to make that point that it's like every guy in the NFL is a juju to like to the people that know him. Right. Um, Right. And so since we've covered kids since DeMar DeRozan made the NBA, I've always felt differently about pro sports because it's like every one of these guys is representing their hometown and their college and their high school and their family. And uh, I, I don't know. I have definitely in my older age turned into a, like, I just hope everyone makes it out of the game. Okay. Kind of a sports fan. Are you but definitely kids, in this? You got yeah. kids, Mike. I mean, really, you got kids, you know what I mean? You know what, it, you know what you think every time Vinny plays T-ball, it's just like, just don't get hurt, man. Just, just have, fun, have a good buddy. time and don't <laughs> right. get hurt, buddy. Yeah. It's one of those things where you think everybody was once a baby and right. the whole world becomes a nicer place, or at least you would hope it would. <laughs> Yeah, and I get and sports fans are like, we could really knock these babies out, you know. <laughs> Probably yeah. also true. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a certain degree of jealousy or um, envy, you know, whatever, whatever you want to want to call it. But yeah, I mean, it's like these are well, JJ said some real it. consequences to these hits. Sometimes, you know what I but, mean? Like you just can't celebrate people potentially getting injured. I mean, obviously, we're we're. We super thankful to, that Juju was okay. But, it wasn't um, that long ago people were celebrating people getting injured. They were doing it on Monday Night Countdown before the very game we were talking about, showing you the yeah. biggest hits of the week. That was not that long ago. Right, no, 100%. And I do think there's a big part of it that's not just sports fans, but that is American society that JJ was talking about, where it is just the story of our media. And I'm sure it's the case in England or wherever else, but like, you know, you build people up to tear them down, whether that's a United States president, whether that is a football player, whether it's a local political figure, you just... People want to make fun of Tom Brady when it looks like the Falcons are going to win the Super Bowl. And then when the, <laughs> when the Patriots come back and win, you're going to make fun of the Falcons for the rest of their lives. You know, I mean, you just, you want that fall from grace in the narrative for whatever reason. 
Um, and, you know, Juju is definitely experiencing that part of the media cycle right now. For sure. Uh, we, you mentioned injuries. Injuries also playing a huge role this year in our coverage of Long Beach guys in the NFL. You've got Jayon Brown. you got Jarrell Casey. Obviously, Ebon Biggie Marshall set out the whole year. This happens every year, though, right, Mike? Like, we have, like, at least four guys that we thought, hmm, this could be the one. Like, I'm thinking Jayon Brown. Like, this could be the one. This he's could have been to, his first Pro Bowl season, yeah. He's, got, he's, got a, he's on a good team. He's got a role on that team. Could be a Pro Bowl year. And then, you know, one kind of weird elbow injury, and boom. It's done, but that's, but that's football, right? That's kind of why we like it so much is because anything can change at any moment. It, it is. It's just such a big canvas to paint on. And Jayon's definitely, I, I feel like the injury bug has been a little more severe this year. Uh, I throw Deshaun Jackson into what you just mentioned. We've got oh, four yeah, dudes point. that are, you know, that are kind of sidelined, but Jayon, yeah, he, when he catches that uh, elbow injury a couple of weeks ago, he was like number five in the AFC in tackles, you know, and I think number two among all linebackers in the AFC. So he was headed for a very, very possibly a Pro Bowl recognition. Um, and instead, you know, was on pace for, I think, like 130 tackles. Um, and instead has to, you know, root from the sideline and rehab. Um, but you said it, Jarrell Casey goes to a new team. Um, you never know how much the lack of, a, lack of time to prepare, as, as we've talked about on this show, factors into a big man uh, catching an injury the way he did. Sean Jackson's had stuff that's kind of hampered him all year, but he's trying to get back for the end of the season. And then Biggie being out the whole season, it's just like, uh, it, it, it's like the nineties, you know, there's just like a couple long beach guys going in the NFL instead of this, like, you know, six to 10 that we've been spoiled with for the last several years. Jamizo Lawale, um, a poly alum who, uh, who, who opted out this year, um, you know, had a contract and, uh, and, and did the COVID opt out. Um, with young kids and uh, yeah so it's 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 been slimmer pickings this year for sure all right let's pick a guy who do you who do you think is in the best position coming back from injury uh you know after this year obviously a shortened season everybody's going to get their full preseason next year maybe even change teams is there somebody on your radar guys that that you've got because i think john ross in a new situation could have the amount of experience needed to stay healthy and really contribute to a good team next year. Because speaking of getting drafted into the wrong spot, gets drafted to the Cincinnati Bengals, things don't go well there. Maybe a change of scenery can be good for him. I would absolutely love that for Ross. Um, I'm definitely looking at Jayon as, you know, he's a younger guy. He's someone who, like I said, was sort of on the cusp of Pro Bowl recognition this year. Contract year, so he's either going to be able to kind of cash in with the Titans or really pick a spot that wants exactly what he provides as a linebacker. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he'll be a monster next year if he can get completely healthy and, and be back. I'm, I'm excited for that. And, you know, fingers crossed for Ross, Jage. I would love that story next year so much. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point on Jayon just because of, you know, his role in that defense and it's, and it's, he's got a good supporting cast around him and he's like kind of right at that point of understanding what, it takes to be in the league while also still being young. <laughs> so I think, um, it, yeah, if he can get back healthy, he's in a position to really flourish there, but, but yeah, that's a great call on, on Ross. He just never really got a chance with, with Cincinnati. And it's uh, obviously some injuries as well, kind of slowed that down, but um, just the coaching staff didn't really want to, or know how to integrate him, unfortunately. But I mean, yeah, it's Jay. I mean, if you, if, <laughs> if you put Ross in the right system, what if he's on the saints? Like what, if, what if, what if Ross is with Sean Payton? You know what I mean? Someone that really understands 
how to utilize his skill set, maybe a little bit on special teams, yeah. you know, where he can be a, a, a brilliant returner. You know, there's there's still so much untapped potential there, and you know he's going to be motivated. So, um, yeah, just definitely going to keep an eye on his landing spot, and hopefully it's the the right kind of offense that can really use him um, in the right way. To you know, I mean, look at what the Chiefs are doing with with small, speedy wide receivers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's the way of the NFL. So. You just need the right offensive mind to use, you know, to use your skills effectively. So fingers crossed for our guy. I wonder if there's going to be a lot of player movement in this offseason too. Because you mentioned it, Mike, with Jayon, he's got his contract, you know, Juju's contract's coming up as well. Ross is on the move. You could definitely see somebody like Biggie on the move as well. I mean, just because of the injury, not really because of what he's done. So hopefully he stays locked in. But yeah, you, I mean, you never know what a team chooses to do with a guy coming back from an injury. Yeah, the, especially in the NFL. You absolutely never know. So we, we can see a lot of uh, team changes on that as well. And you're going to find all of that coverage at the 562.org. Just hit that LB in NFL tag on the right-hand side, and you'll get all of your professional football news when it comes to our guys from Long Beach. The holidays are almost here, and it's a great time to outsource some of that cooking. Take the strain off of your kitchen and get some leftovers. Make a big order with Naples Rib Company. They're open for takeout every day starting at 10 a.m. They will have limited hours on Christmas Eve, but you can get those takeout orders in. Enjoy a big family dinner at home without all the messy cleanup and have leftovers for a few days. You know that Naples, if you order correctly, will last a few days in the fridge. So be sure to get your ribs, your brisket, tri-tip, chicken, mashed potatoes, mac and cheese, cornbread, all the delicious offerings that Naples Rib Company has. Support the people who support Long Beach sports, help local businesses. And hey, when you order, let them know the 562.org sent you. The NBA season is back, but I didn't even have a chance to miss it. It was just right here. And then the Lakers won. And then I spent like a month and a half enjoying the Lakers victory. And now all of a sudden, here we go. The Lakers are back and somehow we're better. What? How did that happen? <laughs> How did the NBA, the same NBA that just kiboshed so many trades in the past that could have made us great. All of a sudden they're just like, yeah, it's cool. Lakers are good again. Works for me, man. It's nice to have LeBron on your side when it comes to uh, decisions that the NBA is making as a league. <laughs> um, but you definitely feel like the Lakers have two of the, at worst, five best players in the league right now. Without uh, question. And somehow I, the, the supporting cast got better as well. No, no shame. So much better. Green, but, you know. I'm excited to watch our bench. I mean, I know what Braun and yeah. AD are going to do. And to be honest, I kind of hope they keep them in a case on the shelf for a while that's the first question that's the first question how how long do you do it how long do you sit them out make them wait or really they're gonna play i mean they them rest yeah i mean i think it's gonna be more minutes in a game you know where you just and it's to be honest with you it's a win-win right it's like you let them play their way into shape and you give a lot more minutes to the bench that everyone's excited about you let the bench build chemistry you let you try you get to try out a bunch of different combinations with the bench and closing out um because yeah this is the shortest offseason in nba history the lakers are playing today on opening day which the heat are not which means that the 71 day offseason for the lakers is the shortest ever in the history of the <laughs> national basketball association um <laughs> and we have an aging superstar that is sort of the centerpiece of this whole thing so i definitely priority one for me i don't care what seed we are as long as we're healthy going into the playoffs i feel great about their chances again I totally agree. The health is the most important thing. I, I would disagree that just doing the minutes thing is going to be enough. 
I do think you need to leave them at home sometimes on some of these ridiculous back-to-back road trips. Uh, I, I also agree the bench is so exciting. I, I want to see what they do. There's no reason why you can't do that in this season and still yeah. survive and get into the playoffs. And you saw how important the bench was in the NBA Finals. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty important. So, uh, so you might want to develop it a little bit. But, yeah, everybody's talking about the Lakers. I would also want to shout out the Clippers. Godspeed, Clippers. I have no idea where your ship is headed. I don't I do, know if anybody's holding the wheel at this point. I, I do. I'm sorry, I, I really quick have to slide in. What The only thing you have to worry about with how they manage Braun and AD is there was a lot of reporting in the offseason about everyone understands that NBA superstars get preferential treatment in their team, from the media, from the league. But there was a lot of reporting about the genuine outrage in the Clippers organization about the special treatment that Kawhi and Paul George were getting, missing flights, routinely being late. Um, and you saw the same thing when uh, in Houston with people talking about the lack of accountability for James Harden. I don't think LeBron is capable of being that guy. Um, but I do think that's important to note is they have to find a way to rest those guys while also making sure that people don't feel like I'm making one-tenth as much as LeBron, and I'm being asked to do more work than him. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do that when somebody questions the franchise and the franchise can simply point to the rafters and say, shut up. It works. We know what we're doing. (laughs) Yeah, it carries a little more weight, whereas the Clippers have to point to the Taylor Swift banner and say, hey, we opened for her. Um, And and, and that's no disrespect to, you know, T-Swift. I don't need the Swifties in my mentions, but – <laughs> no, I think that yeah, this offseason has been great because obviously it's condensed. So of course it feels shorter because it was shorter. But I mean, with free agency, with you know Malik Beasley's personal life, I mean the the NBA offseason has been so thoroughly entertaining that it's like how you know it's it's as if it never left. It's it's been great. Like the draft was cool. A lot of good storylines there. Like the preseasons had some fun performances and stuff. But you know you mentioned it, Jay, with like the the moves that the Lakers have made. Um, I mean, obviously there were some bad contracts, <laughs> Luol Deng, but, um, you know, also at the willingness to make that Anthony Davis trade, which some people criticized because they said the Lakers gave up too much, which was a result of, you know, having successful drafts, but also the guys like Kyle Kuzma, second round pick, THT, uh, second round pick that are, you know, valuable pieces as part of the team. So, um, and then obviously bringing in good free agents like Dwight Howard was, was a great fit that people didn't necessarily know would be a great fit. <laughs> um, so just, you know, props to the front office for building it the right way. And then obviously the, the big cherry on all of this is, is LeBron, uh, you know, <laughs> deciding to join your organization. That's made a lot of GMs look pretty smart. I, I think I asked this a couple of weeks ago, so we'll take it away from the Lakers Clippers for just a second. What team do you think is the best team in the NBA who played the least amount of games in the NBA playoff bubble. So the team that didn't get very far in the bubble, but when they're coming back, you're like, oh, oh, shoot. They're, they're going to be they're going to be really good this year. Did anybody they're, pique your interest? There's a couple. They're, yeah, they're a very different roster. But the, the Phoenix Suns for me, who I think they won all their games where they went seven and one, but didn't make the playoffs. Um, I re- I'm a big believer in, in uh, D book, and I, I think this is going to be a big year for him. I'm very curious to see what pairing him with uh, with Chris Paul is going to do. And I also think that Chris Paul is going to unlock. Uh, I mean, he just is an automatic lob dunk, you know, anywhere he goes. And I think he's going to unlock a lot of potential on that roster. So that that's the team 
I'm, I have actually marked their schedule out for the first couple of weeks to make sure I catch them a couple of times. I'm very excited to see what they look like. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I, like a year and a half later than people thought it would be coming. But yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. What about you, Ty? Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a couple teams I'm looking forward to seeing that I think will um, will be pretty good. Um, I, I mean, I think the <laughs> the Blazers were uh, were not <laughs> were not an easy out uh, for the Lakers, and you know, I think they've probably improved um, as well. So I think they've got a, a chance to be to be pretty good um, and and just dangerous with with Dame. I mean, just yeah. anytime you have a a supernova on your team like that that can take over a game, um, you're obviously a big threat. Um, has anybody I, ever I think, has anybody ever started calling him Dangerous Lillard? I feel like that's actually a really good nickname. Oh, that's not bad. Dame, like a dark wing, Dame, like a dark dangerous. Yeah, dangerous. Like um, so yeah, the the Blazers will be good, and then. Um, I like. I mean, I think the Pelicans still can really turn a corner with that that oh, young okay. former Laker core plus Zion. Um, if that if that comes together, they've got um, they've got the potential to be good, but not not quite on that that same level. They've still got something to prove there. But um, yeah, but yeah, those are those are some of the teams that come to mind. Uh, I was actually going to say the Blazers too, so that makes sense. And yeah. don't don't sleep on Luca. You know, I mean the Ma- the Mavs didn't do great things this off season, but like he's going to be better. And he was pretty darn good in the playoffs last he's, year. He's, he's going to win the MVP this year. I know he's the odds-on favorite, but I think that's a – to me, that is a uh, – that's that's the easiest betting money that's out there. I, I, barring a season-ending injury, I think Luke I was going to say barring year, no injury, but, but also what if they don't play well? Like, you know, the NBA is less apt to give the, the MVP to somebody who doesn't make the playoffs than other sports. They'll end up as a, you know, they'll end up four or five, you know, high enough, I think, um, similar to as, uh, as, as Giannis kind of began his uptick. But, um, you know, you throw in everything, including the fact that he's sort of the great white hope for, <laughs> for the league, even as a European dude. And I, I think the, the scales are kind of definitely tilted in his favor. So you take Luca for MVP, Tyler. Who do you who do you think for MVP? Luca's a good pick. I'll I'll go with Giannis. I think um, even with all that money holding him down. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I hope he has a point to prove. You know, I hope he comes out, especially with the way the that last season ended. You know, with um, how you know <laughs> underwhelming they were in the in the bubble. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, the dude is obviously just like <laughs> a cut above as far as what he can do on the basketball court. They got to um, get him a so coach. I, they got to get him a coach. No doubt. Um, but that, he's the guy who I'm, I'm rooting for. I, I, I hate the, the narrative of like, oh, can't get it done in the big time. I don't know if that is my – if my Peyton Manning fandom is showing through. But um. – <laughs> well, but, but, No, no, no. But, but it's, it's what we talked about with Juju too. Here's a dude who grew up with nothing, and I mean nothing, who has made uh-huh. it to superstar world icon status – and has done it by being like the nicest, most genuine guy out there. Hyped his brother up when his brother came back from winning a championship with the Lakers. Just like all he wants to do is have fun, be kind, and take care of his family. And it's been, you know, people are actually, I saw like anger. It was like, why aren't more people criticizing Giannis? And it's like. Because <laughs> he's a good person. Because he's a know. good person. Like... And he's good at playing basketball. And he's really fun to watch. And like he could be playing basketball for another 15 years. So we don't need to write this story yet. You know, <laughs> I know that's why whenever it's so dumb, it's just like, just run up the numbers, bro. Just, just stun on everybody. You know, <laughs> Is he, he would be the one you'd root for to run up the numbers. Most he's the one you want him yeah. to go all Steve Spurrier all, all over everybody. 
a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, man. Just just take everyone's soul. But uh, people are people are calling him James Harden. You know what I mean? Like, oh, his game's not going to work in the playoffs. It's like, like that's some sort of insult. I, that's well, what I, I was going to say. I, I, first but of like, all. but and just compare Giannis to where Shaq was at his age in his career. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, the dude has so much basketball in front of him that, like, it, it's just we just can't wait. You know, it's it's you see this with political discussions, with every kind of discussion on Twitter or social media. You just can't wait to for it to unfold. You're like, I've seen this before. I know where it's going. It's like just watch the games yeah. <laughs> enjoy well, yourself <laughs> i remember when dirt got bounced in the first round and then eventually came back and won a championship won a championship so, like, and made 17 consecutive or what it was like 70 consecutive free throws at playoffs or whatever and right. is forever like greatest euro of all time forever a legend in basketball yeah right it's, hall it, of famer people but, love him and it's just like why why are people i mean but Braun has been playing this, since but... we were all kids. He's been playing since we were in college or high school. And think about this. Braun has four rings. Braun could tie or pass MJ. Like that's on the table. And you think of all of the conversation that has happened to this point. Why? We don't know yet. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, the, it's, the, it's the 24 hour news cycle. That's why it's, it's because we need a talking point every 15 minutes, not like, okay, well, it's a daily sports section that has everything in it. You know, it's like this constant echo chamber of criticism and who's up and who's down and who's falling off and who's the worse because it's the, exhausting. The 24-hour news cycle is for television, but it actually takes time off for commercials. Social media doesn't even take time off for commercials. And in fact, right, right. goes harder during commercials if you're on Twitter, right? So it's like, it's not 24 hours. It's whatever 24 times 60 minutes is. I mean, it really is like an every minute, every second news cycle that everyone has become a pundit in as opposed to being a sports fan. And everyone has the capability of making a stupid meme. And that's why we need level-headed sports talk like we just delivered right now. <laughs> we need more of it. We need you guys to get involved as well at the 562.org and Long Beach Post. So thank you to everybody at both of those websites for helping us get this show out each and every week. Next week, we are going to do a look back at the year. Yeah, I know that's rough. Trust us. We're trying to bury it too. But we actually did some great interviews with some great Long Beach personalities, both on and off the field, getting it done. So make sure you check out that episode. Subscribe to everything at the562.org and this podcast and Long Beach Post. Stay safe out there. Enjoy the holidays. We love you, Long Beach. We'll see you soon.